Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined again by our beat reporters, Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman. And a crazy, crazy week, guys. Uh, where do you begin? I, I'll begin here. I, <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I don't think that Louis makes, um, you know, a lot of money. I think they could fit him under the cap. I'd like to see him out there cross-checking, guys. With that goofy grin, I think he gets away with it. Uh, what do we think? Is it is it coming to the point, JT, where they have to put Louie in play in order to put a roster out there on the ice? Well, one of our favorite security guards, first name Frank over at Enterprise, he's been saying for uh, weeks now, hadn't he, Tom, that he's willing yeah. to sign up, that that he could get out there. And, you know, I, I think it's time to start negotiate, negotiating with uh, Frank. We, we, we already I can already see a nickname for Louie, which I think is a very good idea. We've seen him on the ice with the little peewees in between periods, you know, he moves pretty well. You know, we could call him the smiling assassin and uh, kind of go from there. I think just, yeah, amateur tryout contracts as you enter the building uh, every night. <laughs> and, and, and many of those people have their own yeah. jerseys. Here's, here's your Ryan O'Reilly bobblehead and, and here's your tryout contract. Yeah, I mean, when a, uh, you get a guy, uh, it'll be a little confusing when the guy with the Michelle Monjo sweater uh, goes out on the ice with a really old school Michelle Monjo sweater from back in the day. But, hey, you know, this team, uh, desperate times because, guys, once again, our heroes in all seriousness will be forced to dress uh, short of skaters, um, one down. Although, to, to the light of Jim Thomas, uh, his favorite player, uh, Ed Walker, back up from the HL, getting a chance to play. They're trying to patch this together, JT. Not easy. No, no. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. I, I'm willing to guess you guys haven't, uh, haven't either. It's pretty unprecedented in, in sports and the game of hockey. And again, again, I'm still fascinated by the different hockey rules and tradition. The whole we could probably do a whole podcast on the whole e-bug, the emergency goalie thing. But uh, just a very bizarre set of circumstances. I asked a few people that have been around the organization just casually, have you ever started a game with just 10 forwards? I'm sure they finish a game with 10 forwards, maybe even less because of injuries or ejections or whatever, but no one had ever recalled anything like this. And, you know, Tom did a little research. Uh, Vegas did it a couple times last year because they had severe cap issues, but it's crazy. And, you know, it was one thing when the blues, you know, they'd have these, uh, uh, little groupings of, uh, you know, it seemed like two or three positive COVID tested would come out. COVID tests would come at once. And then the, uh, and then they dissipate for a while, but now you've got kind of a, I guess you'd call it an imperfect storm where you're still getting the COVID, but unlike earlier, we're getting injuries now, which, which happened in hockey. So I agree with you. I think I, maybe it was an email or a tweet or something you wrote, Jeff. I can't, I can't remember. My head is spinning, not quite as bad as Craig Berube's was last night after the game, but uh, I can't remember where I saw it. But yeah, I think the, the Blues were a couple players, COVID tests or whatever, from having to shut down and tell them, hey, we, we can't feel the team. And apparently, I mean, Springfield's got sick players, and so they're almost in a position where they couldn't call someone up from Springfield. What was it, Jim? It was like seven guys at the. Uh, uh, 13 in the organization, eight of which are players. Players. Yeah. So that's, I mean, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, it's, it's throughout the organization where it was going to be tough to call people up. I mean, cause if, you know, if uh, Charlie Lindgren had been sick, you know, that who knows what they would have done uh, at that point. So it's a, uh, 
it is it is strange times. I recall very long ago, this is back when Quenville was coached, they were in the playoffs against Vancouver, and they had, whether it was a stomach flu or food poisoning, right before a playoff game where a bunch of guys got sick, and they were not sure if they were going to be able to field a team because they just didn't. They didn't have the guys because they were all sick. Players were throwing up on the bench, but they, found, you know, they were looking into can we sign assistant coaches to play? It was uh, yeah, chaotic, but they they had enough guys who were healthy and were able to play uh, in that game. But that that's the only the one thing I can recall that comes kind of close to this of you know, you just may not have enough guys. Yeah, I, I had one. Um, it was back in a regular season game uh, with uh, Jack Martin coaching. Um, they uh, made a trip to Detroit and I took the trip and uh, I, I took the opportunity to go eat with my family for Thanksgiving. It was over Thanksgiving, like the trip uh, the Blues just took. Uh, I had a nice meal with my family. Um, the team ate out at a restaurant, did not go well. So like, like in Tom's case, they were struggling to put a team on the ice. And uh, the, my favorite story was the great Rob Whistle sucking it up for, for all of eternity by they, they had to fashion um, uh, diapers for, for Whistle with uh, towels and stuff oh, towels in there to try to get them through the game. Oh my. Because it was just so bad. And so, I mean, there's a guy that, I mean, he's never going in the, in, in any sort of a hall of fame, but he, he just, he gave what he had, you know, and he's playing mm -hmm. defense out there with, you know, towels stuffed up in there and serving his diapers. So um, that's kind of where we're at with our, with our team here. And yet JT, they, uh, they get a tremendously valuable couple points uh, against a really good hockey team. Uh, admittedly that maybe not the best team on the road of, in the league, but still a very good team and very impressive that they got two points with what they had. Oh, well, no doubt about it, especially the way the first period went. I, I mentioned in my story, it looked like they were the Harlem Globetrotters against the, uh, the blues in the, uh, in the first period, 20 to five in shots, 30 to six in overall attempts. And uh, uh, Baruby mentioned that uh, he thought the blues mindset was oh, we, we, we can't, play against these guys were were overmatched by them and I guess he had to make a little attitude adjustment in the uh uh in the uh, uh dressing room between the first and second period because it was again it's part of uh why that this was such an improbable game to go from being outplayed so poorly to turning the tables in the second period the blue the blues outshot Detroit uh, Detroit yeah, Detroit on the brain with Gardo they outshot them uh, 15 to 8 uh last night uh uh florida in the in the second period and, and just turned the game around so it was uh it, it was uh it was one of the darndest games i've ever covered and and we've all seen some doozies over the years yeah if you look at the three periods in sunrise against uh against the panthers and the first period uh tuesday night i mean talk about a team being outclassed i mean the blues were just not even close to the panthers um in those four periods and yet they got three out of four points uh, against these guys. I mean, and Florida, I got to say, what a fun team to watch, especially when they're playing at home. I mean, that I mean, they just keep coming and coming and coming. I mean, that's just an entertaining team uh, to watch if you just you know like hockey. Uh, but they they just ran over the Blues, and then you know the Blues got a solid shift from the fourth line, whatever the fourth line kind of was last night. And they got extended zone time in the start of the second period. And once that happened, it was like light bulbs went on and all of a sudden the, the game shifted. They were in control and they kind of went from there. So it was an amazing turnaround. Well, the good news, bad news uh, in the game, uh, JT, uh, Billy Husso has just a phenomenal game. Just uh, survived that first uh, period. 
uh, made a lot, made some tremendous saves. I mean, a couple of one-timers from the right side on a power play, Ekblad just from the, the left dot, just point-blank shot. So Huberdeau and, and Ekblad, then you had a, a Hornquist coming in out of the corner all by himself, stuff trying to stuff it through him. He makes all those saves, and then, you know, just the way the season is for the Blues, unfortunately, doesn't doesn't quite survive the third period. And, uh, you know, what a shame because Uso was in the process of really um, establishing himself uh, as, as a real good option for Craig Ruby. No doubt. I mean, I, I'm sitting there thinking, uh, when you combine this with his, his work in Sunrise, Florida on Saturday, I'm saying we're, we're seeing a goalie coming of age and then boy, it, you know, it, 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 it like, uh, like I wrote, it had all the trappings, either a groin or a hamstring and both of those, you're going to be out for a while. Uh, if it's a, and if, if it's any kind of an injury at all and, you know, he was finally, he was stringing together one consistent start after another. And obviously these later ones were well beyond consistent. They were, you know, borderline spectacular. And uh, now he's out. And, you know, I think we'll know later in the week, uh, maybe have a little better idea of the time frame. So uh, very unfortunate. I, I kind of blame uh, Ben Hockman. You know, he wrote that column on him. And then the very next day this happens. I mean, I had seen, you know, going back years, seeing Huso in training camp, you know, he played some preseason games, which he just looked spectacular. And, you know, he didn't quite translate to that last season at the beginning when he finally was there full time. Um, but he, there's always been these hints of that he can be an exceptional goalie. Uh, certainly since Bennington has gone out, he has, he has done that. Um, and he had to, because this is a contract year for him and they've got, Joel Hofer and they've got Colton Ellis waiting there uh, in the wings to challenge him. And uh, Billy Huso's, you know, kind of making the case for him being that guy. Uh, though now there may be a big pause in his season. Well, so JT, let's go down the list of you know, where the heck everybody is uh, because so now you're pushing about, you're up to about 10 guys that aren't playing. And, uh, and so you're, you're going to have some HL guys. You're going to be shorthanded this week, uh, at least one more game, you're going to have the HL guys in there. And uh, man, it's uh, in some cases, uh, you know, I guess it'll be by maybe late next week. Those team will start looking more normal. Yeah, we're up to, uh, I believe the, uh, uh, if we go to the tote board, I think we're at nine. We have four injured players that are right now still on the roster. We have the two LTIR guys, uh, Neil and Costin, who still have some time to go. Although, you know, Neil's been practicing and then you have Bozak, Bennington and Falk still on COVID. Now, Bozak should be able to come back this weekend, assuming that, you know, his conditioning is good and everything. When we say come back, you just because you reach that 10-day threshold, you can get back on the ice. And we've seen with each player, it's kind of varied. Uh, some players have stepped right on the ice after the 10 days. Tory Krug stepped right back on the ice and scored a goal his first game back. But others, uh, Huso, uh, uh, for example, it took longer when, when he came back. But anyway, Bozak due back this weekend. Falk and Bennington about, well, they went on the list two days later than uh, Bozak. So then, they're, but uh, Armstrong today in a, in, a, in a Zoom call said, again, it's, it's a little tougher with goalies in, in terms of getting back. Said they're hoping for Tuesday which I believe is uh, at Dallas. If failing that, 
their next their next opportunity would be uh, I believe it's Friday they play Dallas uh, they play Dallas here and then uh, uh, again Peron is uh, he's you know we believe he's he's in uh, with, with the concussion but we, you know we haven't seen him on the ice they're still they're still doing testing on Peron and even Thomas and Uso and Wallman so uh, they're all. Uh, uh, they're kind of out there somewhere, really no clear definition of when they might be back. <laughs> it, it's it's I've amazing. I've putting it's amazing. Tom to sleep. I finally Yeah, no. Just, just making sure that there weren't four more players to talk about in there. Uh, it's, it, it's hard. It's just the list. It's amazing, the list. And, yeah, and as Armstrong said, they're, they're in town. I mean, these are guys that are right here physically with this team but can't play. Um, it, it is something. Yeah, the, you know, I don't know how quickly Bennington can get back in. Um, you know, it, Huso was out, was 14 days until they put him back on the roster, 18 until they played, but as the backup goalie, there's, you know, you, you never know when he would have been due to play anyway. So, yeah, do you, you know, I think Friday is probably the more likely day, but who knows by then the Blues may have lost two more goalies. So you can't yeah. be too sure of uh, anything anymore. So because of uh, the confluence of events, you have the injuries, you have the COVID, you have the salary cap, which was always going to be tight for our heroes. Um, because of that, you have guys like Mackenzie McEachern uh, who simply make too much money to be considered for um, promotion. If, if, uh, if he's healthy, um, he makes too much. Um, you've had situations <laughs> where guys uh, with Joe Holford, right. Made too much. So uh, that's, it's it's insane and, and the league uh even though covid's a thing and it's a, several teams have been hit harder than the blues uh the league has refused to budge in terms of salary cap uh, allowance uh on this issue when injuries and covid hit um it's getting to the point of compromising the product at some point somebody's going to have to take a mallet and smack gary Bettman. well no we don't we don't it condone violence, particularly toward the commissioner, but just somehow get his attention in a nonviolent way to point out that maybe it's time to look at this because guys, this is going to, other teams are going to go through this. This is absurd. Uh, did you hear from the hamster people, by the way, or are you? No, okay? I haven't. Not that I'm aware of. So I haven't seen anybody else <laughs> in front of the house here. So that's good. That's good. That's good. But no, you're exactly right. I believe there's a board of governors meeting at the end of this week. And uh, so maybe it'll, it'll come up. And there are other teams that have gone through it. You know, the Islanders had to postpone a couple games. Same with, with Ottawa. I'm working on a larger COVID uh, NHL story. But I, and again, we realize COVID is unpredictable. It's been a moving target for the life of me, though. I don't understand why the league decided we don't want the, we don't want a taxi squad. And if you have guys going COVID, Unlike last year, it's going to count against your cap. Why couldn't they just say, hey, let's adjust on the fly and starting whatever date, if you have a player go on the COVID list, it, it doesn't affect your cap. I, I, I think that's the way to go because it starts affecting the quality of the play. Fans are still, you know, they're not getting a COVID discount to attend the game when there's only 17 skaters on the ice. So I, I, I do think they need to adjust and uh, do something. And, uh, you know, I know in Missouri, I, I, I haven't paid nearly as much attention to the, the COVID news, but COVID cases are rising 
in Missouri and, and uh, the winter, uh, partly because people spend more time indoors, uh, usually the COVID cases rise. So this could only get worse for the league. So I, I, I do hope they're a little proactive. I do think it's, you know, if they don't like the taxi squad idea, fine. We'll just call them up from the, from the AHL thing. Maybe that's too late to implement all that, but just, rel- uh, you know, suspend the, 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 the part of this where uh, COVID cases have to count against the cap. Why should the blues be penalized for spending to the cap? And on, on the chat today, a couple people said, well, Armstrong, he's just been, uh, he's just mismanaged the cap. Now the blues have always been very aggressive under Armstrong with Stillman's blessing. So what should he be more conservative? If he's more conservative, you don't have Brandon Saad and Pavel Buchnevich on your roster. And I think you probably would want them on your roster. Where would they be without those two guys? Yeah, if the Blues had left themselves $2 million of cap space, um, yeah, that that's, subtracts some guys right there to, to make it work. I mean, it's, it's a weird world where, uh, yeah, the way the collective bargaining agreement is that the Blues' number three goalie, when the guys one and two are hurt, can't come up to the NHL. It's a strange... Uh, structural system where where that happens the Joe Hofer can't come up to the you know. so yeah you know and the challenge with COVID is that generally when you get one case you get three cases or four cases uh, you know when you get a pulled hamstring muscle you get one of those but you don't get four of them but once one guy gets COVID you're probably getting more and the Blues have been in, in that zone where they've had three or four guys not enough to you know, shut the team down, but enough to make putting a roster together a real challenge. Okay, so let's talk a little hockey here with uh, through all the disease and injury stuff. Uh, a couple of good things came out of that game. You know, a guy uh, that's been uh, it's been a rough year for Braden Shen. He's uh, he's certainly been a physical player, has been willing to drop the gloves. Uh, his offense has continued to uh, decline from where it was. Um, you know, he's got to score goals like he. He, he did against the Panthers, you know, you get on, you get some power play opportunities and he's a guy that, uh, that gets himself into the, into the tough areas. And in this case, converting a cross ice pass coming in from behind the net. Uh, they need some production from, from Braden Shen uh, to, especially with all these guys coming and going. And he has where he's at now compared to where he was a couple of years ago, JT is a pretty big difference in terms of offense. Yeah. And, and, and Tom and I are both aware of this. But uh, we can't get away from disease and injury when we talk about Chen, well, at least injury, because it's, it's a rib injury. And we originally thought it was hand-wrist related, but it's a rib injury. And just because he returned to the lineup doesn't mean he was beyond that. So it's, it's been bothering him. He's been playing with it. And that's as much of an explanation for his, 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 his play as anything now, Baruby told us the other day without mentioning that it was a indeed a rib injury that he is has been feeling a little better better that that yeah it has been bothering him and uh, but 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 he he thought he was trying he was starting to kind of maybe come out of it health wise and then boom he scores a goal and at a lesser level uh, I've been told Tarasenko has been dealing with something I mean he, he he's missed a couple practices one on the road trip and one the other day with quote-unquote maintenance days, but I've been told it's more than just maintenance, and I don't know if it's an ailment, like he's uh, injured, or if it's been some, you know, sickness, like uh, cold flu-like stuff, 
but at least in the last few days, that's been bothering Tarasenko. So possibly under normal circumstances, Shen wouldn't have come back as quick and maybe Tarasenko would have missed a game or two. But your overall point, Jeff, is the O'Reilly's, uh, the Tarasenko's, the Shen, their old standbys, they have to produce more. What we've seen so far is the new additions, Buchnevich and Saad, and, and the young guys, Thomas and Cairo. It's like, is this a short-term thing, or is this a little changing of the guard on, on, on this team? But, yeah, if with what we've seen from Thomas and Cairo and, and Saad and Buchnevich, and Barbashev, I guess we should say. But what if, if the old reliables came through? Man, what, what is this team capable of? Yeah, you know, Shen in some ways is becoming kind of the uh, the present day Alexander Steen, where even if his numbers aren't always there, the the off ice contribution he makes or the on ice contribution he makes without scoring goals um, is a big thing for this team. But he is a guy who can score goals. Uh, who you could expect to score goals in a, in an ideal world. So if, if the blues can get that, uh, and I think I said, this at the start of the season, there's probably, you know, as far as guys, they needed to turn around and have a great year after not having a good one. Shen is probably as important as anyone on this team. If he can start playing like he did in, in the cup season, um, you know, they'll, they'll be in good shape. Um, but obviously that hasn't had a chance to happen yet in part because he missed a lot of games and is still hurt to some extent. Well, you mentioned Buchnevich, and you know, you, you just sit back and you marvel at that at that move. I mean, it, and unfortunately, Sammy Blake gets gets wiped out for the Rangers. You know, he's just an injury magnet. He plays a rugged game. He was giving them what they needed, uh, physical play, but unfortunately, that what that comes to risk of injury, and Sammy is hurt a lot. And of course, he's going to be wiped. He is wiped out for the Rangers. But to get a guy with this kind of ability, who's just in his prime and coming into his own. Who really just needed more big, more minutes, particularly more power play time to be more productive. I, I, I just can't. I, mean, I understand cap problems. I understand Rangers had some young guys coming up with ability, but I look at Buchnevich and I, and I look at how little they've gotten in in New York out of guys like Kako and uh, and Lafreniere. Only an idiot makes that deal. Only a moron trades yeah. Buchnevich for 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 Blay, and and then and then Armstrong gets him on a reasonable deal. I mean, what the hell yeah, were they thinking? Uh, <laughs> Classic case of what were what were you thinking with uh, Buchnevich? I mean, there's 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 no doubt uh, about that. And uh, uh, you know, Barubi, uh, he doesn't throw compliments around, you know, freely or as freely as some coaches. But this was weeks ago when he thought Buchnevich had the he had the he had the potential to be a thirty goal scorer. I went, wow. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing some of that. And, and Barubi said he's had many or several, at least, conversations with Buchnevich. you got to shoot more. you got to shoot more. And it seems like he is looking for a shot more. But, yeah, that, that play last night was – I love the way Buchnevich described it, too. And he said, ah, oh, it was a forward. I knew I could beat him. Which, so, I, I, either he doesn't think much of Sam Bennett or he doesn't think much of forwards <laughs> in, in particular. I don't know. Strange. One of the, well, I would, say, I would say the strangest sight. We had plenty of strange sights over the past few days, but today we're we're watching practice and <laughs> the the Blues are running drills. There's an optional practice. Not a lot of guys out there. Nobody of any great import. And, and all of a sudden we look and there's a, there's this guy wearing gray sweats just skating around the other end taking shots. And it's like like is somebody from the ice crews come out here? What's the deal? I thought it maybe was a janitor got out there wearing sweats and a hoodie. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then Jim whips out the binoculars and it's like, no, it's, it's Buchnevich. And, and the, I mean, the rest of the team is off practicing and he has decided apparently for some reason to come out and skate around and, and take some shots on an open net. And, uh, and he did it for like about what, 10, 15 minutes. And he went back yeah. in and that was Pavel Buchnevich. Apparently his day. uniform wasn't available as practice yeah. uniform. I don't know. Laundry being done. I don't know. You know, he, he kind of strikes me as a guy, and I think he had a little bit of this reputation in New York as if in, in your lifetime as a beat writer, you're ever allowed to be around the team uh, in any significant way, watching the players actually interact with each other. It seems like he's got, uh, you know, a, a, a playful side. You know, he, he may come off as a bit reticent, but he's also got, uh, he shows flashes of, uh, you know, of a little mirth to him. I, I think this guy was a, just a good fit. You know, I, I just, and I, it certainly can't hurt, especially with a younger guy like a Costin and a guy like a Barbershev, you know, who's a pretty quiet guy. I, I think, I think they got, I think they helped their team chemistry too. Yeah. Several players have said he's got a good sense of humor. Tom, I'm trying to think if we, during that, that brief window where we, mm-hmm. uh, we got the, uh, the uh, podium, the face-to-face interviews at Enterprise, which never, never came out, right? No, I don't think so. I think we only talked to him twice this this season. I think. Well, let's see. Uh, one, well, when he signed, uh, once in camp, maybe, and then twice during the season. Before this last one, we hadn't gotten him until the uh, the tremendous Bennington game in Winnington in in in, in Winnipeg, and Buchnevich. Uh, again, his, his, his English is is a work in progress, but certainly much better than any of our Russian. Uh, but uh, he was pretty funny after the Winnipeg game. He talked about how his mom was mad at him for shaving off his beard, how he was in the training room and saw some amazing, what, dangle that Connor McDavid made uh, uh, against the Rangers, I want to say, his old team. And so he said, yeah, I can do that. I'm going to try that in a game. And Oh, and he talked about his headbutt and how he, yeah, I just kind of lost my mind. Us, we Russians were emotional. So, yeah, I, th- I think there's a character underneath the surface. And it's just, it's just a, a shame our chances to interact with him, especially in, in, in uh, person or, well, I guess they're non-existent right now. Yeah, but he's playing, I mean, he's playing really, really well. I mean, he could be, in a lot of ways, the, the best player on this team just what he does offensively and defensively. He's contributing on, on both sides of the puck. He's, he's scoring goals now. I mean, he's, he is just, and he's still playing great defense. So he, he is, he's, he's really good. He's been a very big pickup for this team. And Jeff, right, he's irritable, topic. right? Isn't he? Is, yeah. Well, this is good. Yeah. Level? Irritable. We like irritable. All right. Last topic here on the net front. Uh, the, the chief has, has kind of held this thing together. He's had to have a, a couple of, um, talks with the boys between periods after um, a couple of times they've had to be prodded into a little higher effort in the second period. When you look around the league and you see guys, you know, not able to do this with Travis Green gets fired. The Canucks were just a malaise. The Vigneault old school coach uh, flyers tuned him out. You look around and it's just the nature of the game. It's hard out there coaching players. Um, You know, this team has sort of teetered at times as it's tried to find itself with the new mix, but Got to give a shout out to the chief for keeping this together. They're somehow getting some points when a lot of teams uh, would have found the excuse to just keep playing like the blues did in a couple of these first periods. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And they're still on, what have they got? 30 points. They played 25 games. I mean, that's in the upper nineties in terms of a, a point percentage. And, you know, we're so early in the season that that could all change with one little, even a mini slump. And uh, but the chief is, 
he's a, sometimes it's a battle with himself to kind of stay composed, to try to get across what he wanted. I still think the players respect him and like him and play, play hard for him. And, uh, you know, really all things considered. Yeah. So far a pretty good job. I think as we get deeper in the season, you have to wonder, you know, why doesn't he have a, a new contract? It's pretty obvious that the organizational statement is well is, is by being silent as we're, we're in a wait and see approach. But, uh, I, I think he's been a really good fit. Uh, some people even on the chat today said, well, he, he just, these, these more skilled players, he just can't coach them. And I, I'm not nearly ready to say that. I, I think he loves skill and shooting ability and skating as much as anybody, but God darn it. He, he wants the guys to play defense along with that. And that, that's what drives him nuts and the check and the four check and the, just play responsibly. And, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's been trying. I, I thoroughly enjoy his post games, uh, because he, he wears those emotions on the sleeve. You, you never have to guess what kind of mood he's in. Doug Armstrong was telling us today, you know, just with all the injuries, you can't really assess this team right now. There's just been too much. The whole team hasn't been together. So, you know, at a time when teams are saying, eh, we'll, we'll, we'll fire Elaine Vigneault, we'll make changes in Vancouver. You know, it's that time of year, but it seems like, you know, Armstrong saying, look, right now we can't make any assessments on this team. They haven't been disappointing. You know, obviously they wish they could have done better, but that's because the team's hurt. You know, as this year goes on, you know, what point do they feel the need to re-up Berube? Or will that'll be something to watch as this season goes on when they make that decision or if they ever do make that decision. Well, that's it for this edition of the Net Front. We mostly talked to injuries and COVID, but that's kind of where we're at with the team. Also, a little bit of Louie talk for uh, Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman. I'm Jeff Gordon. Reminder that you can get all of our podcasts on sdltoday.com slash podcasts. Also, all the podcast apps, hopefully. Have us on board. Like us. Recommend us to your friends. Uh, notice that we're uh, likely to show up uh, our podcast and uh, embedded in our stories. Uh, until next time, we'll see if uh, our heroes are still playing next week. But for, for Jim, for Tom, I'm Jeff. See ya. Thank you.